EM123 asks, how do I focus on the positive instead of the negative? Long story short, I'm doing great over quarantine. I exercise six days a week, read every day, and learning another language. Have given up certain addictions, trying to feel more positive. Problem is, I always tend to focus on the negative things that are going on in my life, from tiny slip-ups in my goals to sometimes a feeling of worry about a future I don't know exists. My question is, how do I focus on the positive aspects when they so greatly outweigh the negatives? I have no true reason to feel down or worried, etc., yet I tend to find myself feeling like feeling like that far more than I should. I'm an 18-year-old boy from the UK. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for this question, LDM. Uh, you're not alone in this. Um, my main recommendation is going to be uh, to practice mindfulness and awareness of these thoughts and then characterize this, give it a voice and uh, mm. express these negative things either by writing them down or um, just saying them out loud in this character's voice of, uh, you can call this a demon, a critic, a little a mouse in your ear, but just like visualize this and try and um, create a, a persona for it that is other than yourself and recognize that that's one voice amongst many in your head. I like the little um, angel and demon on the shoulder <laughs> from cartoons, if you've seen that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I have, I know, but I'm, and mm. I don't normally engage with your advice with this me? way, but okay. I'm curious, what will you, what do you think that will help them do? Why? How would that be helpful? And you know the answer. I think so, yeah. But that you're rhetorically asking me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like this move. This is something that I think you've criticized me for in the past. But <laughs> Asking follow-up questions on my advice? Yeah. Knowing the answer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do I think that'll help you do? Um, one, I think just uh, acknowledging it and expressing it, getting it out of your head will um, reduce the number of repeats and intensity mm. of certain phrases or thoughts that keep coming up um, because like you, you see something change in the outside world or you hear something, you, you witness something outside of your head. I think that that just releases some of the, um, the urgent and incessant uh, repetition of those voices. Yeah. And um, another is it will uh, give you a model of choice of um, one by recognizing when it's happening and two, by um, qu classifying it as something that is not you, that you are outside of that, or there is a you that exists independent of that voice, gives you the opportunity to then um, replace it with other thoughts. Yeah. I think the other element of it, too, is uh, especially when the what? What the object hoping? of the question, what? What were you hoping I was going to say? What no, was... no, nothing specific. I just wanted to know, because I think that's a great suggestion. And I was curious what facets of it you thought would be most beneficial for this exact, are you hiding behind your <laughs> microphone over there? I mean, the, like, no, I don't have any sort of like criticism, yeah. but I was really just curious about your main, the main angle that you were getting at. And Something that I would want to add, which maybe I was maybe I was expecting you to say this on some level, was that you can give it sort of a almost humorous persona, mm -hmm. uh, like this this sort of like unwelcome little villain that's that that has kind of its own shortcomings, you know, like building it into this kind of like creature character um, that you know it's like in the sitcom when the like 
weird uncle comes over and it's like everyone's like wah wah like the uncle always says this ha 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 that's so funny eeyore maybe you know about eeyore right (laughs) right um giving it a voice that is also kind of is comical can disarm some of the harshness too of how negative it feels to you and makes it more easily recognizable Mm -hmm. and then it's something that you can laugh with almost um rather than at too laughing with it because befriending our inner critic is really i think ultimately the way that we get it to uh, get it on, get on the same team with it and get it to kind of like, quote unquote, go away. But if we approach it in this like antagonistic way where it, it, it in a way senses that it, we're just trying to get it to go away and it feels like it's not heard, it can come back with more gusto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whereas if we honor this voice, that's, you know, a voice inside of us and try to get to the bottom of like, okay, well, what is it really doing? Chances are it's trying to protect us from making a mistake or sitting on our asses for too long or um, repeating, reverting to to old behaviors that are undesirable. Um, And so I think that ultimately the way to upend this voice is to really feel the feeling that it's trying to help protect us from and acknowledge that it's there for a reason, thank it, and... Uh, and then ultimately choose something else. Uh, and in this case, we're trying to choose like a more positive frame of mind rather mm-hmm. than a more negative frame of mind. And so I think it's really important that we acknowledge that we all have this built in negativity bias as a product of our evolution where the negative stimuli in our life, no matter how many things are going well, even if you're exercising, like you're saying, you're exercising six days a week, you read every day, you're learning a new language, you're uh, you're working on curbing your addictions and trying to be more positive. Those are all really wonderful things. Mm-hmm. But the way that the human brain works is we don't just sit on our laurels and that's that the right phrase? Yeah, you yeah. nailed it. Thanks. <laughs> Until I questioned it. Um, we don't just Made sit on relatable. our laurels. <laughs> It was good. So relatable. Um, Sit on our laurels and be complacent because then then we're more likely to miss, you know, some kind of survival threat versus the person who's always scanning for some potential threat. So just acknowledging and accepting, like, that's our orientation is a really big step. And then putting in proactive new behaviors, new thoughts, new patterns in order to counteract that. I mean, it's sort of like what's going on now in the world where it's like, okay, it's not enough to just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. We have to actively do things to overcome our negative negativity bias. Um, and so creating a character around that negative voice, converting it into something that is our friend that's trying to help us and we're trying to learn more about them and work together towards a positive outcome. Um, and and even just the way that this question is worded or the way that this um, breakdown of it is worded is is starting to do there. It's like, long story short, I'm doing great. Fuck yeah. Like, sit in that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to do. We have to actively interrupt our tendency to go, but, 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 but. Um, my therapist suggested this to me 
and I think it's a great, super easy trick is to just when you're doing something enjoyable or it's probably true for something that's not enjoyable, too, but just sit with it for 13 seconds, 13, 13 seconds. Apparently, that's the amount of time that it takes to really like let something sink in mm-hmm. and kind of shift the brain chemistry around something. So when you're having a positive experience, like you've done your daily reading or exercise or whatever, before you do it, spend 13 seconds thinking about how great it's going to be. While you're doing it, spend 13 seconds thinking about how great it is. And after you do it, spend 13 seconds reflecting on how great it was and how good you feel now because you did it. It sends the brain those extra signals of, I should send positive vibes up in here because this is what we're focusing on and interrupts that pattern of, okay, but what's next? What's next? What's next? If I'm trying to spend 13 seconds appreciating something, Mm -hmm. I worry that I'm going to be occupying a lot of my mind with the counting to 13 or the the monitoring of that, (laughs) that time amount. (laughs) Okay. Two solutions go way over 13 or set a timer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I like a number of breaths. Mm, that that's good. feels like a, a a line to my own rhythm rather than like something out in the world. Um, yeah. But the the I'm quibbling about um, yeah. details here. The the general idea of stopping to notice when something is going well is great. And it's amazing how. It highlights. And I honestly would love to do it live and spend 13 seconds right now just sitting and breathing to demonstrate. All right. It's really fucking long. (laughs) Like you think, oh, yeah, 13 seconds. And then you go for like five seconds and you're like, oh, my God, I'm still fucking trying to savor this. (laughs) (laughs) But it is important to take that long um, and even longer just because of, again, how oriented our brains are toward the negative. So it really takes an actual breath and investment to interrupt that i'm ready I'm you ready okay sitting so here recording a podcast looking at my friend yeah. i'm gonna appreciate this stuff okay so ldm everyone else out there listening try this with us and just take the next 13 seconds we'll count for you no worries yeah. and just breathe and appreciate that everything's okay right now yeah okay all right let's start All right, that was 13. I counted really slowly <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> okay. How was I, that for I you? didn't see you looking at a watch or anything. I was like, oh, shit, this is on me. See, I don't trust your... I was just kind of counting and breathing. Uh, I see. In my head. Okay. So what was that like for you? It was nice, and then I had to look at the, the watch. <laughs> and it was nice again. And then I looked at the watch, and I was like, all right, there's not enough time for another break. Um, I'm going to keep looking at the watch until we hit 13. <laughs> so it was like four phases, I would say. <laughs> How about you? Okay, good. Honest. Um, it was nice. I just I kind of felt this surge of just like, oh, I'm delighted to have this little space in the midst of my day. And yeah, I hope that. I hope that you guys had a, an experience of that space as well mm-hmm. if you chose to participate in it or if you just 
tuned out because you were like, fucking, I'm not going to listen to silence for 13 seconds. I have a schedule. I have allotted a very short period of time to listen to my podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I don't want this kind of crap. I don't want a podcast to come in and tell me they're going to be a podcast and then they don't do anything. Right. It's bullshit. (laughs) If you got one of those skip buttons on your podcast player that goes ahead 30 or 15 seconds. You'll be joining us right now. (laughs) Welcome back. Yeah, exactly. You skipped over the dead air. (sighs) Well, then you got, you really missed something. I think that you're, you're missing an opportunity, an opportunity to not skip through your life. Did you see Click? Click is the saddest, most excruciating film like of all time. Have you seen Schindler's List? (laughs) Touche. Um, So do we have anything else that we want to say to LDM? And I should mention it could be capital IDM. Oh, it's one of those like small L capital I question What's marks. What's the D? Is the D also lowercase? Yeah, everything's lowercase. So okay, that's why I made that call. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I think that one of the most important things to say is like, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Go fucking you. See if see if you can identify other voices in your life that uh, resemble this critical voice. Mm. And then, what do you believe about them? Are you giving um, undue power to? A boss, an authority figure, a teacher, a parent, uh, a mentor, somebody who is um, habitually critical of you and Mm -hmm. downplays your accomplishments. Um, This might be something that's tough to recognize or it might be very obvious and you just haven't connected it with your internalization of this voice. But um, I'd say just examine your beliefs about uh, the people whose uh, opinions matter about you and have been... um, habitually critical it's easy to internalize one of those voices yeah um one final i mean i think that's great and and doing that process has helped illuminate a lot for me as i've uncovered what are the origins of different voices that i have in my head different beliefs i have about how productive i need to be in order to be worthwhile or just all these like totally arbitrary metrics that i use to just keep kind of whipping myself into doing whatever Mm -hmm. um but I think that sometimes, and I hesitate to even bring this up because I don't want you to feel that what you've done thus far is inadequate in any way. Sometimes if we do have a nagging anxiety about something, there is something to pay attention to with it, not to dwell on, but to just look and see, is this signaling that, okay, I'm doing all these things that are for my betterment and that's great, but maybe there's something else that I'm avoiding somehow. Mm. Um, I don't know what that might be for you, but Mm -hmm. you know, for me, um, I, I identify as a love addict. I've talked about that sometimes on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I was focusing on all these other areas of my life and trying to optimize and problem solve and whatever. Um, and there was this other thing, this other compulsion, this other, root of inadequacy going on underneath all of that, that I still wasn't quite addressing because it just felt so shameful. And, and that shame I think was masked by like feeling, feeling like I was doing so many other things and like, it's okay. I can just put this off. I can just put this off. I can just put this off. Um, so, so sometimes if you do have a reoccurring, uh, internal signal of, of being unsettled, it can be worth, asking yourself, is there something in all of this good behavior that I'm still not addressing? Right. However, a lot of the time, and this is something I'm experiencing right now, it really is just 
I've been chronically oriented toward the negative and I need to just give myself a fucking break, celebrate the things I'm doing right and acknowledge that life is messy and not perfect and uncertain. And it's important to take stock of what's good while it's good. Mm-hmm. So I hope that helps. Yeah. All right. Let's get it. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 59 of Free Advice. That over there is Morgan Beard. And that over there, even though you can't see us in relative space, is Rob Zaleski. Listen, I think that (laughs) you can assume we're not sitting on top of each other, (laughs) crowded around one mic. Below me, underneath my stool. (laughs) Like a couple of netted up beluga whales. (laughs) You say nutted up or netted? Netted up. Okay. You think... Okay. Let's How just, big do you think a beluga whale sperm load is? Gallons. <laughs> I don't actually know how big beluga whales are compared to other whales. I think they're on the smaller side of the whales. Okay. Whales are just fascinating, though. They are. Think about it. Left the water. Yeah. We're on land for a long time. Went back into the water. Huh. And got huge. Wow. What do you think that they found out about living on land that they were like, nah, fuck this, back to the water? Well, it was just a certain couple of them that were living by the shore and uh, were probably getting eaten by another mm. land-dwelling mammal they couldn't compete with. and Or they were just getting better food in the water. Um, mm-hmm. So they're either being out hunted or being hunted themselves. And uh, so they just drifted more and more. Into the water. Um, alternative possibility. What? Have you heard the song Under the Sea? Yeah. Uh, you know, Sebastian the Crab, the Little Mermaid. Yeah. His theory okay. is that people on land just work too hard and slave away under the sun all day. And under the sea, it's better than anything they got up there. You can kind of just float. Um, you don't have as many worries or stresses. It's Gravity sort of the Little Mermaid's weighs on you less. Hakuna you can, Matata. You can literally float. So, uh-huh. I think that there's probably less muscle exertion for a whale. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I guess I guess I'm trying to kind of anthropomorphize the whale's journey away from land, um, and just uh, implying that. Gosh, our lives are so complicated, these human lives on land. Mm-hmm. Would it be easier if we were just fucking in the sea, swimming with dolphins, chilling out, no coronavirus? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think this is a uh, seagrass is always greener type of situation <laughs> because whales yeah, have a lot of um, threats with boat rudders, loneliness. There was a, a humpback whale that, first of all, they all got their own songs. And this yeah. guy stopped his song and then six months later picked up right where he left off <laughs> because he was lonely. Oh. Yeah. Um. So do you have anything that you want to talk about, ask for advice on, or do you want to dive, no whale pun intended, into a question? Mm. Um. Let me take a moment, less than 13 seconds to... Take as long as you need. I'm not going to take over 13 seconds. <laughs> Don't 
don't spend the whole time thinking about the seconds that are absent. I'm doing it already. I know. <laughs> I can see I can see the wheels turning. Um Nah. Okay. You? Sure. Do you have something? No, no okay. I was I was actually gonna use the uh whale song as a segue into our next question. Do it. Do it. But Let's I wanted to give goes. you the opportunity. All right. So <laughs> Look at these, this dude, lull. Look, Look at this, this dude, dude lull. lull. Uh, asks, how do you do something that will make a difference? Okay. I've gotten into a weird slump where I feel like what I do doesn't make a difference in people's lives. I'm learning music, but that's more of a project I've taken up for myself. So it's not exactly going to change the world. I want to find something I care about and learn to use my voice to speak about it and provide a resolution to it the best way I can by being outspoken. Does anybody have any tips or experiences with this and what's the best way to get over it? Mm. I think you could start by looking at uh, problems that you used to have that have since been solved and uh, then identify people who might be in that situation today. This is the age old advice of be the person you needed when you were younger. Yeah. I love that advice. It's definitely something that I've come back to over and over as I'm thinking about what meaningful things am I going to contribute to the world and what is needed. Um, this this question I uh, chose because it resonates with me so much, and I think it resonates with Rob as well, because both of us are musically inclined and trying to use our um, skills and experiences to help other people through things that we've been through, basically, um, normalize different things. Uh, and so I really partially don't have the answer to this question because it's something that I'm still working on. Um, but partially do in the sense that I think that you, I guess I've gotten to the point where I have identified what do I want to change? What do I want to use my voice for? But I haven't, uh, built that platform and audience yet to the extent that I've wanted to. Um, I, so I grew up with a father who was very much like a do gooder and committed his whole life to public service and was always just about how can I multiply good in the world and take huge actions and make a huge difference. And I felt a lot of pressure underneath that to identify something that that I could do that with to identify something that for me, like this is going to be my passion and this is how I'm going to change the world and make such a big difference. Um, and truthfully, I've, I've had different issues, social and political issues kind of drift in and out of my sphere. Like I was really into, uh, food policy for a long time. I was a vegetarian for nine years and I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to commit myself to, um, addressing food crises. Uh, and that sort of led into an environmentalism thing and thought, okay, these are these big colossal societal problems that I want to be a part of the solution for. And then different things happened in my life. You know, I interviewed for this job, didn't get it, interviewed for that job, did get it. And it pointed me in different directions and exposed me to different issues that I could commit myself to and different things that I was passionate about. And now I feel really passionate about mental health and spreading awareness about emotional abuse and helping people to understand their emotions. And, uh, and then most recently 
really trying to think about how can I be a voice for racial justice and equity. So first, I want to just commend the fact that you're trying to make a difference and that you're looking for something that really speaks to you. And then I also want to point out that it's not perfect and it may not just be one thing. And uh, you don't necessarily have to have a perfect, fully baked out plan to just get started and try to, to make small differences in a small number of people's lives and start to tinker with what works? What do people respond to? What do I feel good doing? What do I actually enjoy? There's sort of like a, what what is the intersection between my interests, my skills, my passions, and what the world needs and looking for the, the areas that fit all of those different criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say don't, put all of your uh, investment into music or count on it to be everything. Mm. <laughs> <coughs> I think that'll make it harder to develop in it. Yeah. Um, and I see this as potentially two problems or two courses of action. There's what you're doing and then how you're grading what you're doing. And so you may already be making differences that you discount. And I'd say it's, yeah. it's probable that you are, but you could be, Comparing yourself to somebody like Bill Gates, Martin Luther King, um, you know the people that uh, people often look up to as role models or heroes, and um, it's very uncommon for a human being to make that much of a difference to that many people. And most people are going to make uh, differences on more of a one-on-one scale, or be unaware of some of the differences that that they make. Um, so try to uh, look at. What kind of differences have you already made, maybe in the lives of close friends of yours or um, people that have given you something or you've given them something, uh, partners? Um, so that's one one route is just like rewiring the way that you think about what is a difference. Yeah, yeah. Lowering that bar. Yeah, doing a real uh, inventory of the the impact that you have made. It's really hard to fathom that there are almost 8 billion people on the planet. And that we are one of them. You, you don't know yeah. that many people. You can't witness that many people at one time. But yeah. like to reshape the entire earth, it's just, it's not, it's very rare that one individual does something like that. So one, one piece of advice is lower the bar. Yeah. I think that's such a great piece of advice. Um, not because like our thought is, well, I don't want to lower the bar because I don't want to not make as big of an impact ultimately. But I actually think that, I mean, in my own life, I have artificially jacked the bar up so fucking high sometimes that it completely overwhelms me and I can't fucking do anything. And it makes me feel so incapable Mm -hmm. when in reality, I'm not doing an accurate assessment of the impacts that I have made. And I'm not not giving myself credit for that. But then I'm also um, acting like, it's not worthwhile unless I'm impacting 8 billion people. Mm -hmm. And that's just such an unreasonable standard. And we can often try to bite off so much more than we can chew that we never get started. We never start with that first person that we're impacting um, and allow it to grow exponentially from there. Um, So I love, I love Rob's idea too, of starting with, within yourself, taking a look at your life and thinking about what kinds of problems that you've had, um, what were the solutions to those, what would have been helpful in those moments. 
and then maybe doing some slightly wider market market research of your community, you know, through peers that you have a personal in-person relationship with or posting on social media. I've done this as a coach to do some market research to figure out what what are people that are theoretically my ideal clients or just people that I could serve or impact? What are they going through? What are the challenges in their lives? What are they struggling with? What would help? And just collecting data on that and seeing if there are patterns and seeing if there are themes and talking to other people, I think, versus kind of staying in your own mind and bouncing off of your own walls is so important because it that that I've found gives me a lot of the inspiration to feel like, oh, not only are there these issues, but I'm already connecting with someone about them. Mm-hmm. I have ideas about what the solutions are and I'm more energized. Talking to people just does that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other thing that I would encourage you to do is just start having those conversations and then you're already using your voice to talk and connect. And I think connection right now in this moment is a huge, hugely meaningful contribution that you can mm-hmm. do with your voice. Um other options, of course, are recording yourself speaking about something, which you might find a topic for that once you do some of this research and then posting that out. Because the the more that you can realistically, the way to like scale your impact is to uh, not be having to have every impact be your time being used to directly impact one person. It's like, how can you pre-record something, put it out there, which, you know, music is helpful for that, put it out there and then people can listen to it as many times as they want on their own time all at once. And that helps to make your impact a little bit more exponential, um, which is is something that in, in coaching I've really resisted because I like working with people one-on-one, right. but in music I'm trying to lean into uh, because it's catchy. It can take on sort of a life of its own uh, and then other people might want to listen to it more than one time. Right. Um, I think the other thing too is don't discount that this is a personally meaningful process for you to be asking yourself these questions and trying to figure out what can impact other people. That's great. You don't have to make such a big difference to feel like your time on earth is worthwhile or justifiable right that's a trap i fell into for most of my life and still fall into (laughs) yeah and it's not something that you have to decide and then um stay within the narrow confines of that decision until you die right it's better (laughs) movement is better than um the the direction i think yeah yeah because Sometimes in order to figure out that something isn't the right path, you have to start down it. Mm-hmm. And spend years plotting through it. Yeah. And then the things that you learn from that will help give you a more unique lens in whatever the next thing that you do will be. Because in that field, maybe someone else doesn't have this other diverse set of experiences that don't necessarily apply. Um, yeah, I think trusting yourself somewhat and trying to enjoy yourself along the way is important as well because that'll that'll keep gas in the tank mm-hmm. as you go out and try to make a difference in the world because that's a hard thing to do and you have to be taking care of yourself in order to keep doing it. Yes. Cool. Good. Next question. <laughs> Hit me. Sweet. All right. So <clears throat> this question comes to us from... Carnlid. Carnlid. 
Carnland, would it be childish if I asked my dad to take me to the zoo? 13 male here. Sorry if this doesn't belong. The zoo recently opened back up in my town. I'm like going to cry. And I really want to go. Would it be childish to ask? I'm afraid to be seen as a little kid. I Mm. love this question so much. I have so much compassion for this person. Thank you for the question, Karin Lid. I think this is the right place to ask something like this. This is a good good spot. I'm glad you ended up on this podcast. And um, I don't think it would be childish to ask to go to the zoo. I think there'd be a, there is a childish way of doing it. You could go, Dada, zoo time, please. You know, remember your grammar. Like, <laughs> straighten up your back when you ask. And um, maybe if you have glasses, adjust them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> smoke a cigarette. I'm just kidding. Don't smoke cigarettes. It's a bad idea. But um, no, you can ask to go to the zoo. I think it's a nice idea. Um, Adults go to the zoo, right? Yeah. I think, honestly, like, I feel like your dad would probably love to go to the zoo, too. Like, it sounds like something that you would both be able to really enjoy. And because things are now starting to open back up, it makes perfect sense that you're, like, wanting to get out into the world (laughs) to see them and explore them and interact with these animals. Like, I want to fucking go to the zoo now. Like, this question makes me want to go to the zoo. I would totally take you to the zoo. (laughs) For real. Um, I think uh, it it makes me wonder if there's a pattern of somebody uh, calling you childish or telling you it's time to grow up about something else. And um, you're wondering if this is a going to be a mistake because that person will seize this moment to prove that, aha, you're too childish. I think that person is, I don't know, they could be right in whatever realm that they're talking about. But I doubt it. I just go to the zoo and enjoy it. And I think the way that you go to the zoo is what determines whether it's childish or not. You like can... if it's on a unicycle versus <laughs> that would be a wagon. very adult, I suppose. That's true. Um, <laughs> a trike, then. Sorry. <laughs> try and practice articulating what it is about the zoo that you like and what you appreciate about being there, um, because as you uh, become older, wiser, more aware of yourself and your experiences and better able to communicate those things. I think that there's a big difference between you at 13 at the zoo and you at five at the zoo. The things that you notice and um, the understanding of the feelings that the zoo gives you will be different now. I think that's such a great point. Uh, And I, yeah, no, no one's like ever too old to go to the zoo. And I do think that I think adults sometimes do try to like kind of force kids to grow up earlier than they need to necessarily on these certain dimensions of like, quote unquote, maturity. Mm -hmm. Like you're now too old for this developmental stage or you're too old to have this stuffed animal or whatever. But the reality is adults do all kinds of childish shit Mm -hmm. and and in in a good way and a bad way. Like. I think a lot of adults actually really struggle because they've shut down their inner child so much. They've shut down their ability to play and listen to themselves when they want to go to the zoo. Uh, It could be that your dad is suffering from some of that. Yeah, 
It's totally possible. And I think that it's such a great opportunity too, as I said in the beginning, for you guys to enjoy it together. And he should consider himself very lucky to have a 13-year-old son, as he does, that wants to spend time with him and Mm -hmm. is thinking about things that they can do together Mm -hmm. and just to have access to your perspective on the world. Like, I think kids, based on the ways that adults sometimes regard them, feel like their perspective is not significant um, because of their lack of, you know, physical or emotional maturity, whatever. But actually, I think that we really need all types of perspectives mm-hmm. and we love as speaking as an adult, I love the place mentally and emotionally, the space that I get to be in when I'm around kids. It's so fun. It's so imaginative and it's, it's in a lot of ways not limited by the experiences that we've often had as adults that show us like the world sucks and is a dark place. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're bringing a really important dose of play into mm-hmm. your dad's life. And I definitely think you guys should go to the zoo. <laughs> I agree. If you meet resistance to this idea, I think you can go to the zoo with a project and perhaps uh, convince any adults, perhaps your dad, that would call this a childish activity. I don't know whether it's photography, uh, drawing, uh, conservationism. Um, animal study generally, like their behavior, um, Mm -hmm. anything like that, the zoo as a business, you know, Mm. where do they put concession stands? How do they make their money? And um, any of those things, if you go to the zoo with like a new toolkit could uh, increase your likelihood of success if you get an initial no from an adult, if they Mm. say, no, that's childish. Mm. And yeah, and I I hope that you don't have to use that strategy because we should all just fucking be able to go to the zoo. <laughs> I'm, am I cursing too much for like a 13 year old audience? <laughs> no, Whatever, no, no, they're on care. the internet. They, they've seen, they're on the internet. They <laughs> they've get seen it. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, Printed. But type. yeah, I, I think that is actually like, it's a great idea and I hope that he, he doesn't have to use it. Um, Cause I remember, I remember sort of having that uh, lens with my dad sure. too of the like, Oh, well we can do this and this will be a great time to like, do this other like project and it's just like why does it have to be a boring thing like why does it have to be like a a, a school assignment yeah. or something that's enriching or a learning process whatever like as an adult i do appreciate those things more than i did as a kid um you know a learning opportunity because i'm not in school it's not something that i'm being forced to do for most of the day um but you know if you do meet resistance from your dad i think that is a good idea to to be like okay well what if we kind of made it like, you know, a field trip, mm-hmm. <laughs> this educational thing. Um, but I hope that I hope that you don't have to make an excuse for wanting to see animals. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not it doesn't have to be an excuse. There may be a genuine uh, unexplored reason why the animals are fascinating. Is it you want to see them in that environment? Is you want to see them anywhere? Um, is you want to see lots of animals in a small period of time, like kind of a, a condensed experience of what you'd get out in the woods or out in, on a safari. Um, there are a lot of good reasons to be interested in the zoo. And I think the more that you look within your, maybe it's a happy memory that you mm-hmm. had 
another time at the zoo that you want to relive or uh, get in touch with how that felt that that last time. Maybe um, you want to come up with funny names for the animals, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you want to have an interaction with an animal. Mm-hmm. See, like, how similar is this other life form across the glass and me? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, all like what we're pointing to is there's so many fucking cool things you can do at the zoo. Yeah. I really hope you get to go. I really hope you go and you <laughs> you don't have to take pictures or whatever. But if you do take pictures, please send them to us. Free advice podcast at gmail.com. Or just tell us about how the zoo. It could be one line. I just want to know how the I zoo went. was. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go. My dad was a dick. <laughs> Favorite animal. That's all I want to know. What was the coolest one that you saw there? If you learned something interesting about it from a sign or a zoo guide, tour guide, um, I'd like to know that too. I've been watching a lot of Our Planet lately on Netflix. It's Ooh. the, uh, you know, the the planet Earth, but with a conservationist slant. Is planet Earth have a non-conservationist slant? Ah. It's like, there are all these, there's all this cool shit, but like, eh, who cares what happens to it? Our Planet, every segment is about like... Here's how the sea urchins are taking over the coral reefs, and here's what it looks like. And all of our oceans might be jellyfish soon. Yeah. Nothing but jellyfish, just these, and then scary music plays. And <laughs> it's like every episode yeah. is is really um, about like, here's how we screwed things up, and here's one example of how things could get better, and here's what we got to start doing to make them better. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like an argument piece, but the footage is so beautiful. Oh my god, it's so sure. great, and they explain systems really well, mm. how interrelated things are, and they'll go from one location to another and show like here's because this predator is diminishing, here's what's out of balance, and it's good. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I like it a lot. Hell yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right, Carnlid, yeah, let us know about your experience at the zoo. We hope to hear about it. Um, and just go ahead and tune out because the next question <laughs> comes to us from Botanic Angel. And this question is... Why? Why? Okay, go ahead. I saw porn of my favorite video game okay. character, <laughs> Frowny Face. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding, Carnlid. Feel free to do whatever you want. Keep listening if you want. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> it won't leave my head. I have so much respect for the character and I relate to them so much. Mm. I don't know why I'm so disturbed. I can't look at them the same for some reason. Has anyone else been in this situation? I have seen porn of video game characters that I liked. Um, I haven't been so disturbed by it. Uh, have you been in this situation, Morgan? <laughs> um, I am not like an avid gamer or porn consumer however i have seen uh pornographic representations of like cartoon characters okay. that i'm familiar with um so i definitely understand disney characters yeah stuff like that family guy yeah exactly those it's exact two yeah um <laughs> yeah. yep okay. those exact two were the two examples i was thinking of and so who's the disney characters multiple like a ton m many different ones okay. like over the course of time but so yeah, i understand the sentiment where it's just like oh my god i feel like this thing that i had a completely non-sexual relationship with or like engagement with is now feels violated mm -hmm. like to put them into this space where suddenly they're like the object of some uh you know graphic <laughs> action it's sad it's it does. It feels like it kind of feels like there's some childlike part of yourself that kind of dies when you see it, 
You, you know what I mean? Like, I, sex doesn't always, sex or porn doesn't always have to be this huge violation of integrity mm-hmm. for sure. But when you have the expectation that you, and and relationship, like certain relationship with this character that, that this person has, to see them in that context without warning maybe and, you know, uh, to, to then have to like try to tease apart, well, okay, what's, what are the things that I liked and respected about them and kept them pure in this way and that now can feel tarnished? I guess I'm just mm-hmm. empathizing with the feelings that might be coming up around this and, and that it now feels like it's tainted in some way and you can't quite reverse that. It feels really raw right now because you just saw it. I think the thing to do is focus on that it wasn't real, that it was not the uh, the owner or the original creator's intention to portray that character that way. And so it's non-canon. It's not uh, part of the real story. I understand that there's some, um, uh, it being a fictional thing, whether it's real or not is like subjective, but this isn't uh, part of the main, the real story, whatever that is, um, didn't appear in a game wasn't uh, condoned by the creator. This is somebody doodling, um, you know, let's say, I don't need to pick other uh, Mr. Rogers or other, <laughs> other <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. Um, anybody's free to draw Winnie the Pooh Winnie with, the Pooh a, with a, a giant dick and um, he wraps it over his head and puts it up his own butt. You might see that in a bathroom stall graffiti somewhere. This is getting so specific. <laughs> you might have seen that. <clears throat> it's not really, well, it's not a real Winnie the Pooh. That wasn't the real Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I think, even though it's hard, because sometimes things that are graphic like that can yeah. really like stick in your brain, is to remember, even if, let's say the creator of this, your favorite video game character did go rogue at some point and had your character do something that just wasn't in accordance with the value or the significance that this character came to take on for you, you can still decide that, okay, you know what? What I really liked about this character was X, Y, and Z. And you can kind of take on then that creator role Mm -hmm. in relationship to that character and say, you know what? Like this is where the stories diverge and this is where I'm deciding that this character actually has you know, this, this other life or this other story option for them that is more in accordance with how I've found this character valuable, um, or just as less (laughs) frightening in this case or disturbing. Um, I remember (laughs) such a silly, (laughs) such a silly example. Um, I remember at a, uh, birthday sleepover that I had, uh, I guess it was around the time Saw came out. What? You hosted this? I hosted this. This was like the last, this was like the last, birthday sleepover of you know my childhood because at a certain point yeah exactly it was my freshman year of high school and i had this birthday sleepover and we watched saw and i don't feel like a spoiler alert is like necessary here because (laughs) it's been out for like decades but um so actually it's not a spoiler because it's i've invented this ending (laughs) but basically the guy the the villain of saw is uh jigsaw jigsaw this guy who has cancer and Uh is dying of cancer and he wants other people to experience their lives 
more fully and so appreciate them appreciate them while they have them Mm -hmm. and so rigs up all these different you want to keep coming up with synonyms (laughs) 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 um sorry that was investigate with gratitude (laughs) (laughs) that was sassy but i really want to get to this the other thing is like i know it's like not that good of a story so it's to belabor the point is like i'm helping not great (laughs) (laughs) thanks I appreciate your help. Um, so I don't know. I found this movie like very scary and unsettling. And at the end, I was just kind of left with this feeling of like, mm. ooh, like he could be coming for anyone kind of thing. So I, so. My, the last friend who was at the sleepover and I um, came up, recorded, videotaped an alternative ending to Snow where it was just like a shot of them like in the closet wearing a wearing like a mask that i happen to have i think it was an alien i was an alien in like third grade for halloween and uh instead of them like leaving behind and getting away with it uh he was basically like he just was like oh oh no my cancer and then just collapsed (laughs) and died okay so this was my way of processing and dealing with the fact that I had this fear, this lingering fear after consuming this content that this Saw villain was going to come after me. And so I enlisted a friend to create sort of an alternative version you of the story. A little fan fiction. A little fan fiction mm-hmm. where he just dies and can't go on torturing people. Um, all of that to illustrate that you can take this narrative that you like so much into your own hands to whatever extent mm-hmm. you want to. That's the beauty of the the process of creation anyway and artistic output and video games are hugely a part of that and right. and really bring us in as we participate. Uh, you, yes. You, you get right. to, uh, assuming this is a playable character in the game, you could control their actions. Well, it doesn't have to just take place with the controller. Yeah. And so when you create something, you are just kind of giving the world this product and the world can do whatever the world wants with it. And unfortunately, or I don't know, I don't want to condemn the person who made the porn illustration, Um, but, you know, someone else is going to take it in a way that is their fantasy. Sure. And you have the ability to take it in a way that is your fantasy. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to... Draw a new porn of the character. Draw, draw a totally different porn. I wonder maybe if, an Eiffel Tower. If that would, if if it was the, um, if it was just the idea that this character has a sexual life that's the issue, or the specifically what was happening in this image or in this video clip of the character, whether they were in a in a position or doing something that doesn't match up with how you think about their values or their orientation, even mm-hmm. um, maybe imagine an alternative sexual life for this character. Uh, because yeah. that sexual reproduction is where characters come from. I can't think of any characters in games that asexually reproduce, except maybe AI characters. It could have been Cortana in the Halo series, <laughs> in which case it was designed and it, it wasn't necessary for um, artificial intelligence or robot creatures to to mate to make her. I love that idea, though, and it is something that I wanted to come back to. Of like, okay. you know, is it? <sighs> Is it just the idea that this this character ha- has a sexual life, or is it the way mm-hmm. that, um, just like what you said? And so, thinking about what what piece of it disturbs you, 
Um, and what might that be telling you? What is what might there? What questions might this prompt for you to look at your own sexual life? Um, we don't need to go too deep into that, but um, maybe this character was. I think it can be disturbing to see, especially like a character who is receiving treatment or any in any porn, anything, receiving treatment that to me feels like a violation or feels excessively violent um, or forceful. Disempowering. Uh, disempowering. Uh, for a character that you had related to and felt powerful when you were occupying that Yeah, is like fantasy. tied up and mm -hmm. taking a giant dick and crying. That's right. so disturbing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not my, that's not my favorite uh, porn arsenal. But... What if they were... A follow-up question about that uh, after this question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what your favorite arsenal is. <laughs> um, you know, sex where the woman looks like she's enjoying it, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but yeah, what would be a more empowering type of sex for this character to be having? Um, what kind of partner or partners or um, maybe they're having solo sex. Um, I mean, it might be more triggering to go down this route ultimately, um, but if it's something you're, ha you're having trouble getting out of your head anyway, it might be beneficial to not kind of run from it and wait for time to just slowly dissolve it from your memory, but actually to get empowered around, again, your creative mm -hmm. potential here. You maybe imagine this character with your crush. What Ooh. would, what would the character do? Or with, with you? Your, I don't know. I don't know if the, with you, if you're attracted to the character. Yeah. Sure with your crush yeah. or maybe you identify with the character yeah I don't know. or yeah maybe there's some ideal partner for this particular character that you design mm -hmm. or maybe there's one already in the game whatever we don't know who you're talking about obviously but maybe imagine the character stumbling upon a pornographic representation of you <laughs> <laughs> that was equally horrifying and then the character calling you and commiserating and then you both reassure each other that hey it wasn't real it was just somebody drew that I don't do that thing that you saw a character. And I love the character that. Says, I didn't, I didn't do that thing either. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. So botanic angel, ultimately I'm sorry that you had that experience. Mm -hmm. It sucks to be just confronted with something that you didn't ask for that then taints something that was important to you. That sucks. Um, and I really hope that you can get to a point where you have restored your sense of empowerment around this character or authorship around this character and can continue to live your life not being disturbed. Really. You might focus on the um, shortcomings of the artist. Mm. I, I bet that there's some difference. There's a way to tell that this is a counterfeit ver version of the character. Yeah, like Excuse the dick me, isn't as veiny. Yeah, yeah, it could be too, too veiny of a dick <laughs> compared to the one that's pixelated on in your video games. Um, something just off about the art style. That allows you to discredit it. Yeah, lets yeah. you know that's a lookalike. It's not the real. Yeah. It's an imposter. Yeah. Hmm. Did you have a follow-up question for me about something, the porn arsenal thing? You said just where the woman looks like oh, yeah, she's yeah. enjoying it. And yeah. It just like it pains me physically if I'm watching. What if, what if there's no woman? What if it's just men or a man? Okay, I think I would like for everyone in porn to be enjoying what they're doing, and mm -hmm. it just does not always look like that's the case, even if it's consensual non-consent. Yeah. 
um, I feel a difference. Like I feel a difference. Um, and I also obviously just have a, you know, I, I'm, I'm more interested in something a little bit like softer, less rough than, you know, someone getting throat fucked until they cry Mm -hmm. or some shit like that. Like that's not, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to watch someone do that and feel how uncomfortable that would be if that were happening to me. Um, I want to think, I want to imagine myself in the porn, like being treated that way. And so if that treatment is violent or harsh and and especially if it looks like she's not enjoying herself, which often it is, um, that's just really hard for me to watch. Yeah. I I don't see much much of that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I do think the landscape of porn is changing somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, but there just is such a bevy of content that feels like a really bad lesson in here's how to have sex. (laughs) And you just think about all the people watching it and, you know, some of them maybe are younger. Some of them are still developing ideas about what is human to human sex as opposed to video games to human sex, I guess. Um, And not understanding the agency of both parties. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, my heart hurts for that <laughs> quite a bit. Um, yeah. Do you have a sp- specific character that would be the toughest for you to, to witness in a pornographic situation? Yeah. Oh man. I think there are a lot of child, childhood ones, you childhood know, like characters. childhood characters, like shows that I watched as a kid or like characters that are children. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Reptar. Well, he's a dinosaur. He's like an adult dinosaur. <laughs> that could be hot. <laughs> I could see that being hot. But the babies. Yeah, the babies. Sure. No. No. Yeah. Especially if it also goes in like an incest direction. That's right. it's not for me. Again, I'm not trying to shame anyone if that's their thing. I've I've done incest role play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something I wanted to just announce, but <laughs> <laughs> so like no sh- truly no shame. Um but uh yeah, it does feel like a violation because like you said, it's not it's not like the contract of the creator, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and every other thing that's in that canon. It just doesn't follow. It, it just it's against their will. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not asking. It's that lack of consent issue, you know, like the voice of Tommy, the are the person who drew Tommy, the creator of the show Rugrats didn't say, yeah this is a good way to use our art. Go for it. This seems right up our alley, right in our demographic. Hmm. <laughs> that would be interesting as a long-term play for a character that has fallen out of favor, that was popular in to the 90s. To become a porn star. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, from the beginning, they were like, we're going to make this hit. We're going to do the, yeah. the Angry Beavers. Yep. And then uh, once the then audience has the grown Angry up, they're going to fuck. <laughs> like, that was always the plan. <laughs> but we have to first gather a following for them and then bring them back. And then age years them. Later. Wait for yeah, them to exactly. age. <laughs> this is a long, long game. I have a photo of cat dog I got to show you. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
okay, am I gonna am I gonna like it? Am I gonna <laughs> feel violated shorts. for life? Okay, it's, it's okay. A, I don't have a, a, I don't really have respect for cat dog. I'm not like out there being oh, like these are the most respected <laughs> characters in my. I love those two or that one. I guess it depends on how you define personhood. Yeah. Is it the brain? Is it the body? Some combo or cat doghood because they're not like people. Yeah, yeah. So, whew, good is luck it, out there. It's trying that times. All, yeah, that's it. That's, that's all it, we man. did today. All we did, we that's, that's we all we got. A lot I meant of to say, not not covered got. a lot of. Yeah, no, we did. let's did. avoid we the negativity it. bias. Uh-huh. I think we did great. These are good questions today. Brand spanking new territory. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think so too. I'm really excited to be able to share them with the people that asked. Same. All right, guys. So if you're listening and. Anything that we said brought up a question, a comment, feedback, whatever. If you're someone who asked a question and you want to tell us how the situation went down, you can always email us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. That's Morgan said it. (laughs) All right. Take care and good night. Good night. Sleep tight. Sweet dreams. Dream of us chatting, (laughs) commentating on whatever you're dreaming about. Guys, dream about whatever you want. (laughs) Dream about. Do email us, but dream about whatever you want. This (laughs) episode, previous episodes, the one with the guy with the bug, whatever. (laughs) Dream it up. The one about pegging. Someone recently told me that they listened to Begging for a Pegging. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a professional context. And they were like, (laughs) hey, I checked out your podcast and I really laughed at the Begging for a Pegging title. And I was like, all right. (laughs) Number one episode. Good. Oh, are we going to have a rhyming <laughs> title for this one? Ooh, I don't know. To the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> kind of rhymes. Uh, I saw a bu- in San Francisco, I was just visiting San Francisco. We walked by a, a bus that just said, to the zoo. <laughs> so that was top of mind. <laughs> What about, I outgrew the kazoo, but not the zoo? Ooh. Kazoo and zoo kind of rhyme. It's really the same (laughs) sound twice. (laughs) Depends on how strict you are in your definition of rhyme. Kind of rhyme you're looking for. Outgrew kazoo, not dozoo. D-A. Zoo. So we'll keep brainstorming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably going to be one that makes it into the title of something zoo related. <laughs> I think. Find out.